No, either this is going to be the fastest five minutes you ever did see, or we're going to be here till midnight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which yet. <laughs> no, it's uh, first off, I just want to say that uh, I really do appreciate letting me be behind your pulpit. Um, that really wasn't the plan. I mean, I wasn't thinking that you were going to say to preach tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> meeting today. But, uh, you know, the Bible says be instant in season, out of season. Um, There was a church I was in one time where the, literally the pastor, he said, he got up behind the pulpit and he said, my throat's being, uh, my throat's uh, sore. I need somebody, I need Brian to preach for me tonight. And I mean, I'm, you know, big bug out. I'm like, what am I supposed to do there, you know? And I just threw up some Nehemiah prayers and got up there and winged it, you know, and, and uh, I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, you know, I, and I did, I did actually remember what I preached that night, but, and I'm not going to do that tonight, but uh, that'll be for another time, uh, but no, and, and so I, I was even, you know, last yesterday afternoon, I'm sewing up some Nehemiah prayers, I'm thinking, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to say, what do you, you know, Lord, remove me out of the way. What do you want me to to try to convey to the, the people? And I'm, I'm scratching the, you know, like I'm looking at all my notes that I've got in the back of my Bible and like just trying to think of something that can, uh, that I can, you know, that, that can be used and and nothing, nothing was hitting, nothing was hitting. And then I remembered that there was a, a note that I had recently saw in my Bible that, uh, I was like, I think I'm going to start with that and see where this goes. And a couple hours of rabbit hole killing later, uh, I kind of got the, the basis down. Um, so one th- uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And this is something that I've, I've the, my note is, is X number of years old, but it's something that I saw the other day, and it just made me think of all this, uh, you know, the stuff. I think about the world that we live in, and and it, even now, you know, the, this, uh, you know, there, there's willful disregard for life. Right. You know, there's there's willful disregard for the things of God, for the things of, yes. you know, the that that, you know, hit, uh, for just others. You know, just just being with you know the respect of others, the 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 sanctity of life, and so here in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is a book where Solomon is basically kind of you know having a you know like what is life? You know, it's all vanity, almost like a almost like a pity party, you know, and and uh, he's going through there and and talking about all these. Uh, you know, like what, like how do how do I live this life? You know that you know I've had all these things, I've had all this stuff. What does it all mean? It's not you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all that you know. How how can I have a meaningful life? 
And one of the things that really struck out at me when I had put this note in my Bible is it's in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 12, uh, verses 13 and 14. Bible says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I said all that to say this. This is the sum of it. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And I got the note of my Bible, I've got the meaning of life, you know, an arrow to it. And that's what I want to preach you all for a few minutes tonight about the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? You know, people ask that all the time. That's what am I doing here? What am I, what am I, my, what is my life good for? Um, Years ago, and I'm not going to say the the name of it, but there was a a movie where the two characters were trying to figure that out, and it and they they go to this uh, like supercomputer, and they say, "What is the meaning of life?" And the computer does its thing, you know, and it thinks, and it says 42. That's the you know like wait what? That's the meaning of life? That can't be it, you know, 42. I was like, yes, it, the, the meaning of life is more than just the number 42. And that, um, but that's the age-old question. What am I doing here? What, am I, what is my life good for? The Bible has the answer, and we saw it right there. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, I was thinking about that word fear. You know, we think of, like, fear as, you know, like, fear of clowns running down, you know, trying to chase me down the street, you know, or, or like a fear of spiders, you know, you, you know, that's not what the fear is in this, with this respect. It's, it's a reverence, a respect, a due regard um, for, you know, somebody in authority. Like, I remember my grandfather, and I know like Betsy's dad and, and some of y'all, you know, you didn't, you didn't mess with them. You, you, you feared them. You, you had this reverence for them. You know, that, and, and so that's what the Bible's talking about here. And uh, I thought this was an interesting uh, passage in the uh, Webster's 1824 Dictionary. It says, The fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and a real love of the divine character, leaving the subject's of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. And that's the way we should try, strive. And I know because our, 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 sin, our flesh is sinful and it's not, we can't always do it, um, but we should strive to, to fear God in that way. And that can lead to, help lead to a, uh, a meaningful life. Um, the other thing there, it says, uh, fear God and keep his commandments. And so I think, well, just the Ten Commandments? Well, how many commandments of the God are there? And I, you know, and I, I have never counted them all, but some, some things that I was reading, they said that there's um, approximately 613 commandments Minus the ten, so that's six hundred and three additional ones in addition to the, the ten. Uh, do we really follow? Do we have to follow them? 
and I, I was thinking about that, that question, you know, like, like, do we have to follow those Ten Commandments? And, you know, the answer is no. Because the, the number of commandments is not the point. The point is, is that we can never fulfill those to meet God at his level. We have to understand that, that we are limiting and that, you know, the, the, the law is our taskmaster. So the question is, like, what if, if, if you could do, if you only had to do some of them, which ones are more important? Which of the 613 law, you know, commandments are more important? And like I said, again, that's not the point. The point is not which ones are more important. Just like when God says, forgive somebody. Well, how many times? You know, the Bible talks about seven times seven. But then Jesus said, I'll take that even further, 70 times seven. And yes, there are people out there that are going, I forgave them. You know, putting a mark. Oh, I forgave them. No, that's not the point. The point is, it's an astronomical number that you cannot attain. So the point is, forgive. The point is, fear God and keep his commandments. What is the, um, the law for? Well, the law is there to teach us. The Bible says in Exodus 24, 12, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. So God gave us uh, a set of, of rules and instructions. Why? To give us those rules and instructions on how to interface with a holy and righteous God. God is so holy. Yes, he will, you know, somebody will uh, sin with, with something is so, we, we look at it as minuscule. You know, like taking a piece of fruit. But God is so holy, he cannot allow that sin into heaven. And so he has to, we have, uh, He's trying to show us that, that we need him. Um, so basically, that's their, their rules and instructions on how to interface with the holy God. Now, Jesus, when he came along, he came to fulfill the law because we cannot fulfill the law. So in Matthew 5.17, he says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law of the, or the prophets, I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So turn over into Matthew 22. We're going to see an interaction between uh, Jesus and uh, a certain lawyer. Matthew 22, verses, uh, starting in verse number 33. It says, but what... Uh, I'm sorry, verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. See, we don't have to get bogged down into following all of the law. And we don't even have to follow the law because Jesus already fulfilled the law. And, you know, we're, we're covered under grace. So what I wanted to do for the next few minutes is uh, park on these things, uh, you know, and, and parse these out a little bit, flesh out these words. The heart, the soul, and the mind. So I was thinking about that with the, you know, the, the heart. What is, you know, we, we hear this, you know, the statement, follow your heart. You know, what does it mean by, you know, it's not talking in, in the context. It's not talking about your, your, you know, organ that keeps your body, you know, pumping blood through it. It's talking about that inner or central part of your affections and your passions, the seed of your understanding, the seed of your will. You know, th some things that we can we learn about the heart. You know, like even this morning, we learned that the heart can be hardened. You know, Proverbs twenty eight fourteen says, "Happy is the man that fears always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief." We find that the the heart is deceitful and and you know above all things, and it has to be guarded. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways." And according to the fruit of his doings. We find that in uh, Luke 6.45, uh, the heart can speak good or evil. It says, a man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. And... And that's the thing is our, our heart, you know, you want to, who, you know, who you really are, you know, let that, that, that will come out uh, from your mouth. The Bible talks about blessings and cursings, you know, come, you know, and that, that's the, the twofold man, you know, the blessings and cursings coming out of the same, the same mouth. But Jesus says that, that if we, if we're, if we have good treasure, you know, good things will come. If we have bad treasure and evil treasure, then we'll have uh, bad things that will proceed out of the mouth. The, the heart is also where God looks. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See, we look out, you know, and I see people and, you know, dress and everything. And it's like, yeah, you can fool me. But God looks so much beyond that. We, we can't. Uh, he looks on the, the inward heart, the inward man. So the next thing is, and I got it out of order, and I got it out of order for a reason. The next thing is uh, with all thy mind. The mind is where your intention, your purpose, your intellectual or intelligent power 
your understanding, the power that conceives, judges, and reasons. It's where you think. You know, you, you think with your mind. Um, you know, we have a, a battle of the mind. Romans, uh, let's turn over there. Romans 7. Romans chapter 7, verse number 14. There's a battle going on between your mind and your flesh. Verse number 14. Uh, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. But that which I do... I allow not. For that I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I can sin unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is more I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I should be do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And we have that, that, that war going on between our mind, I want to do it, but my flesh says no. Or the or, or reverse of that, you know. And so it's like we've got to constantly keep that battle at bay. But God has provided a way out. So whenever we're tempted with the flesh, we don't have to just let it go. We don't just have to, you know, let, like hope it doesn't hurt me too bad. But God provides a way. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But with will the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And the third thing that uh, Jesus talked about in the uh, in Matthew 22, he says, with all thy soul. And I had this third for a reason because there's a reason why in the scripture, why not, nothing by chance happens in scripture. It, it, it's all there for a purpose and a reason. And if you look back at uh, Matthew 22, Or verse number 37. So Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. 
And that middle word there is, is the soul. And I want to liken that, that soul is, is the, the interconnection of the heart and the mind. They're the two things that are on their bookends of, of the soul. And the soul is basically your spiritual, your rational, your immortal substance, the, your understanding, your spirit. And again, it's that, that interconnection of the, the heart and mind. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse number 16. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for me, or for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So one of these days, our soul is going to be required, and we're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to follow God, fear God? Do I want to, you know, be saved and live for God? Or am I going to harden my heart, stiff my neck, and just try to do the best I can do until the... I fall off this mortal coil. So the other thing, back in, uh, notice there was two things that Jesus said, the, the two greatest commandments, Matthew uh, 22. Verse 39 says, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In Luke 10, 25, um, you see this uh, person asked Jesus, who is thy neighbor? You know, trying to, trying to tempt him into, like, you know, saying something that, that he could say, see, see, I, you know. Like, no, he, he said, who is your neighbor? And, and he tells the parable of the, the Samaritan, you know. And, and basically, Jesus says, he's the one. He's our neighbor. So every, you know, everyone is my neighbor. Everyone here is my neighbor. So it's not just any one specific person, any one specific group. Everyone is my neighbor. So I'm to love every one of y'all as if I'm loving myself. And so these are things that, that can lead to a meaningful and purposeful life. Fearing God, loving God, and loving others. So what are some keys to that meaningful and purposeful life? We see that it's fear God and keep his commandments. Well, I mean, uh, those can lead to salvation. We need to recognize our need of a Savior, uh, for a Savior, 
that he fulfilled the law and that we don't have to fulfill that, that law and we can repent of our sins and call upon the name of the Lord. Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One thing I want to notice about these two uh, commandments that he talked about, love the Lord your God with, uh, basically the, it's the, the mind, the, the soul, and the heart. So basically what he's saying is love God with everything you have. You know, everything that you can muster, love God. And that's, just, that's, a, that's a vertical process. Just like we have a process for God talking to us by reading his word, we talk to God by praying, and those are the, those are the processes. Loving God is a vertical process, but out of that process comes a horizontal process, and that's the loving the neighbor as ourselves. That's the charity. That's putting that love into action. It's one thing to say, I love you. It's another thing to say, I will do this for you. I will help you through this time. I will sit and weep with you. You know, a lot of times we, we get on the, the thing about, you know, well, I'm praying for you. And that's fine. But we let it stop there. We don't put our action we don't put action to our feet. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, loving that neighbor as yourself. Think, what would I want? Would I want help? Yeah, I want help. I want somebody to go through the, the, the fire with me. I don't want to go through it alone. And Jesus said, we don't have to go through it alone. So notice over there in, in uh, Matthew 22, verse... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. So going back to the, to the neighbor, in, in the very last thing that Jesus said in that parable, he says, go and do, and do thou likewise. And that's our, that's our job, our mission. And it, and it goes hand in hand, if you think about it, with the Great Commission. The Great Commission, we're supposed to go out and spread the word. Would you want somebody to tell you that there was a problem, that you had an issue? Yes, you would. And so somebody, we, we want to uh, be able to treat them like we would want to be treated. So that, that horizontal process is just basically a redirection of the process that we've already, we're already doing with God. God just says, now go do it you know, with others. So why do we desire a meaningful uh, and a purposeful life? Back over in uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, verse number 14, it says it is our duty. But why is it our duty? Because God provided a way and came down and gave his life so that we could live with him forever. We're not under that law of bondage. Christ has made us free. 
So we're not under that, that curse of the law. We don't have to follow that anymore. God, Christ came down and fulfilled it. And it is our duty to follow him. Why is it his duty? Or, I mean, why is it our duty? Because God will judge the good and the bad. Turn over to Philippians uh, chapter 2. We're heading for a collision course. Judgment is coming. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also had highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there's going to come a day where you're going to have to bow the knee. And I've got it written in my Bible, better to know him now. You know, so one day, you know, if you come and you get saved and you bow the knee now, you can go and live with him forever in eternity. But if you stiffen your neck, harden your heart, and you bow the knee at the great white throne, it's too late. You can, you can want to be saved until the cows come home, but it's too late. And you will be cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20. So we see that judgment is coming. And we should, we should have this desire to live for that righteous and holy God that gave everything for us. For you know, one of the most common verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God gave us a way out. But the problem is we have an enemy. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So you want to have a good and meaningful and purposeful life? Christ says, I came not only to give you life, but to give it abundantly, overflowing. We don't have to go and, and you know, fall into sin and drugs and, you know, who knows what. We can live for a righteous and holy God today and now. And... And then use that relationship to further relationship with others on the horizontal level. And I want to close with this. Uh, let me say, um, forgive me for a second. Revelation 
Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, glory and honor, glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things has created thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created thou art worthy O Lord why do we want to live a meaningful life because he is worthy uh, and, and I want to point this out. It says that he has created all things. That's all of us. He created us for his pleasure. He loves us for his pleasure. Our lives should be meaningful and important. Everybody's life is important. There is not a single life that is not important. And I have, I'll, I've always had this, uh, kind of, it's kind of a colloquial saying, but it's like, I love everybody, just some a lot less than others. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's because uh, that's the truth. I mean, that, that, that even the most horrible person on the planet, God created them. And it was his desire to have to get pleasure from that life and all too often we 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 see you know i'm reading today you know lives are snuffed out because of nothing you know i saw one it was a 13 year old boy on a, on a bus that just shot a grandfather just for no reason and it's like and we don't have that you know but yet with god we can have that meaningful life we live for him, love him with everything we have, everything that we could muster, and then we take that love and we spread it out to others. Pastor. All right, let's stand together, if you would, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless uh, his word and what we've heard today. Maybe something that you want to come pray about. The altars are open. Uh, we may have people listening or here that, uh, first of all, don't know that they're going to make it to heaven or not. They have some doubt about that. And the Bible tells us clearly in his word that he wants all to repent. Uh, doesn't want anybody to perish. wants everybody to be saved. But not everybody's going to be saved if you don't make that decision. But you can make that decision today by trusting Christ as your Savior and call upon his name right now and ask him to save you. He'll save you. That's what he wants to do. But it has to be your decision. Maybe here you know you're a child of God, but uh, the word of God has been speaking to your heart about something. You need to get that right with God. Let's spend a moment with God and let him uh, deal with us and help us to make the right choices. Father, thank you for the time we have here today. We do ask that you'll direct your invitation time that our hearts may be in tune with yours. 
that we may make the right decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open. If you'd like to come pray up front, I encourage you to do so. Or you can pray where you're at. But let God have his way, but just open your heart to him today.